What do you get when you mix finances, sponsorships, and time jumps? You get a good reason to watch movies after work. Hey there, guys. This is Thomas Green. It is movies after work. It is back. Though, sadly, uh, we are missing an Alex. Um, Poor guy is being worked to death. There is no after work for him right now, unfortunately. I believe yesterday he told me he had a whopping 22-hour day at work. So, again, hashtag give Alex a break. That's going to miss him while he's... uh, while his work life is balancing out. Um, As I mentioned in a tweet not too long ago, I recently moved out of the Pittsburgh area. Uh, I'm living a couple hours outside of it now, uh, back in the area that I grew up in. Um, So, uh, in the future, you know, we're going to do episodes. It's going to be a little, you know, we're going to have to figure out some new logistics once he's able to dive back in. But the goal is to be back to be giving you guys the same mid-quality content that you have come to tolerate. Uh, So weird to insult myself without Alex laughing. That's hopefully somewhere right now he is laughing because he knows I'm saying something stupid about myself. But you know what? We will continue on. We will persevere. Um, Got a handful of people that I've been talking to about coming and guesting on the show, uh, letting them pick the movies, so lay myself be at the mercy of the guests uh we'll see how much they like me the quality of the movies will determine you know whether or not people like me but you know i've i've already talked to some of them they've had some some really fun cool ideas stuff that normally is not the direction i would think to go with the show but i'm very excited to go in with them um that's all the housekeeping that I can think of. Uh, if I sound weird, actually, one last thing for the housekeeping. If I sound weird, it is because I am currently, uh, you know, my family and I, were currently crashing with the in-laws. No shame in it. We want to make sure that we have steady jobs and a good income before we get a place to live in the area. So we're currently living there. Uh, there are at least twice as many people living in the house. There are five dogs total in the house a cat, and our child. So, if I sound weird right now, it's because I'm recording in my car. That's right. I'm in my car right now. Laugh it up, assholes. It hurts when you laugh at me. I'm just kidding. I was laughing about it. They were all laughing. Everyone's laughing about it. But, hey, first things first, as is always, let's talk about some trailers. Obviously, we've been gone for a while. We've missed a lot of trailers, so I'm just going to focus on two big ones that came out this week. First, Black Widow, our introduction into the next phase of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. The first trailer for it came out. Uh, Now, I've talked a little bit about this in the past. I don't read too much into the first trailers for Marvel movies. Um, They're not necessarily... they're, they're, They're both cryptic and expository, so I try not to delve too, too much into them. Um, I'm excited for a movie about Black Widow. I'm excited for delving more into her past. Um, I am still very much of the hope that the movie is going to end with us seeing the funeral that the original Avengers team held for her 
that we did not get to see in Endgame. I still believe that they did have one before the scene on the dock that we see them all in. Um, there have been rumors that um, that people might be back in this movie in some capacity. So I'm hoping that that is the reason why I'm hoping that we get to see a little bit of that. I'm I'm still of the, the of the belief that we're following a common comic book trope, at least one that I remember from reading my dad's comics that were from the 60s and 70s, especially where you take, you do a little prologue, sometimes with a, um, a side character, sometimes with a character who's no longer with us in a prologue capacity, um, and you're telling a story, whether it's a really quick one at the beginning of a small, of a whole comic or a movie, to start off an entirely new phase of things, but it, at the, at the crux of it is the MacGuffin or what have you that will be the leading thing, so I'll be curious to see if, you know, somebody has information on an item or a character that is going to play a big part in the future of the MCU, and that that's why we're getting this story at this time. I do think it is the... In a weird way, I do think it is the right way to do this. Um, I feel like, you know, a lot of people are complaining that it's post-Endgame. But given the fact that the movie is set in between the events of Civil War and Infinity War, which I think is a good time to delve into a movie with her, and it's a realistic time for her to take time out for herself... Um, I can imagine that if we had taken a character involved with both and told a story that had nothing to do with either, while we were wait awaiting Infinity War, I think people would have been a lot angrier. So, I'm okay with it. I think this is a good time. I think it's the right time to be doing her story. Um, my biggest worry, because it's something so comic booky that it's not out of the realm of possibility, but I hope to God they're not doing it. There's a small part of me that worries that, you know, at the very end, we're going to have um, the other main actress, and I feel terrible because it's, I, I can never pronounce her name, but FP, I'll call her FP. I, I worry that we're going to do, instead of making her just the flat-out successor to the Black Widow, hand with the potential of her showing up in future movies or Falcon and the Winter Soldier, something of that nature. Um, I worry that we're going to end up with something very comic booky of her somehow being transformed into Black Widow, literally Scarlett Johansson. And that that's the, that's the, that's the one that we've been seeing since Infinity War, so we didn't actually kill off Scarlett Johansson so she can come back in the future. I worry about that happening, not too, too much. I worry about it enough because the concept is not a strange one in the world of comic books. I don't worry about too much because it's so cheap when you don't have a gigantic, ever-spanding comic book. You know, we essentially, the, the MCU is essentially combining the, the rules and the formats of both film and television. That's part of what I think makes it work so well. Um, 
And so I worry that they're going to approach that, which is something that has never really worked in film or television. But I don't worry too much. I'm still on board. I'm still excited. Uh, I don't think it looks as gigantically big action set PC as other people do. You know, I think if there's one or two, that's, you know, it's whatever. Um, it's kind of inevitable in this day and age that unless you have something that is cerebral and standalone-ish, it's hard to make it really compact for something of this nature. Plus, you know, the, the common comparison that I'm seeing online is Red Sparrow, and you do not want to be that movie. Um, it was not good. It was, it was Pirates of the Caribbean at World's End levels of subplots and betrayals. So I think it's better for them to, to, to merge, be a hybrid of the small scale cerebral spy thrillers and, um, the big action set pieces that we're used to with comic book films. Um, speaking of spies and thrillers and things like that, the next one is, uh, we got our first trailer for No Time to Die, the next movie in the James Bond franchise. Um, I forget if this is, this is the fifth Daniel Craig film. I think, I think the second, maybe the third one that's supposed to be his final James Bond outing. So not sure how much I believe that that is the case. Um, if it is, I'll be sad to see him go to a certain extent because he's a phenomenal actor, but we also see that he's, he's finding other projects. He's, he's plenty busy. Um, I didn't take much out of the trailer. It's very, it's very generic in my opinion. It's a very generic action James Bondy trailer. Um, in the same way that the, the last Jason Bourne, Matt Damon movie, that trailer if it didn't have a title card and you asked me which one of the movies it was, I wouldn't be able to tell you because I wouldn't be able to tell the difference practically. Um, it's very much that to me. The, my, I, they have immediately lost me, though, in the fact that I feel... It 100% feels like our main villain, um, Rami Malek, who, again, I'm probably pronouncing his name wrong... Um, it 100% feels like he is Blofeld's son who is going to free him. And then either we're going to try to be creative and kill off Blofeld because Christoph Waltz doesn't want to keep playing the character or he's just going to be, he's going to be the main villain with his dad in the background controlling things. But it 100% feels like he's the son of Blofeld, which they're going to get the, they're going to, at that point, that means they're wrapping themselves tightly around the least popular and the, the worst in quality of the Daniel Craig, James Bond films, which makes it pretty intensely unappealing. Um, I, for me, the, the, that, that movie was such a gigantic drop off that I, I'm comfortable not watching more James Bond films. Uh, so at some point I might see this one, but I'll honestly probably only go if it can be confirmed to me that it's not Blofeld's son as the main villain. But we will see. Um, 
but yeah, those are, those were the big trailers that came out this week. Supposedly we're getting trailers for, um, I'm trying to remember Wonder Woman 1984, which basically I just want to see, uh, how Kristen Wiig does as a villain in a superhero movie. I'm curious. Um, I am not a fan of her on SNL. I thought she was, um, I thought she was a, I, everything that she did, I remembered laughing harder at Mo Collins doing it on Mad TV. So I was never a fan of her on SNL. Um, and I think while people don't say it, I think a lot of, I think a lot of the leaving from people like Andy Samberg from SNL was because it became the Kristen Wiig show. She pretty much starred in everything, even though Andy Samberg was the one who saved the show from probably the closest it's been to cancellation since the eighties with his, uh, his lonely Island shorts. So, but I'm curious to see, I, she could be really good. I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see it. I wanted her to be adult Beverly in, um, in it chapter two. And I was disappointed that she wasn't, but what are you going to do? So we'll see. I forget what the other big one was. I feel like it was supposed to be birds of prey, but I feel like we've already had multiple trailers. So I don't see why in the world they would release another one. Um, I could be wrong though. And it could end up that, you know, I wake up tomorrow and there's a bunch of new trailers and that they're all amazing. Hopefully we need some good trailers. We need, we need to start seeing some good teaser trailers for, for next summer. Cause I'm, I'm getting a little worried, honestly. Um, I can't really remember much of, of what's coming out 2020. I'm just not getting that psyched for it. Uh, cause I'm not hearing too, too much about anything and having it stick in my head, but what are you going to do? But let's get to the main event. Let us get to the, the reason why I am sitting in my car. Let us get to the reason I was sitting in my bedroom last night rolling my eyes to the point of them almost falling out of my head. We are here to talk about the film United Passions. Now, this is the biopic film about FIFA, the uh, Federation Internationale Football Association. Um, you'll notice that about halfway through Federation, I realized I was about to try to really commit to the pronunciation, and that that was just going to be stupid and offensive, so I didn't do it. You're welcome. Now, for those of you who do not know what FIFA is, first of all, you're American, first and foremost. Uh, if you don't know who FIFA is, nine times out of ten, you're American. Uh, FIFA, they organize the World Cup um, in America soccer, the rest of the world football matches, Um there, a lot of things have been said about these people. Uh, a lot of different things have been said about them. A lot of different opinions about them. Uh, one thing is blatantly clear about these people. Fuck them. Fuck FIFA. Just fuck them. They are some of the worst people in existence. Uh, FIFA is the NFL Scientology and a hedge fund all wrapped into one 
with a sma- with like a big slathering of the biggest douchebag from college all rolled up into one fucking Adidas football. That's what they are. That is 100% what they are. Um, I could go a little bit into, into specifics about their history. Uh, but uh, what I wanted to recommend for it, because it's hilarious. It's and it's good. There's a lot of good journalism out there about, uh, FIFA, uh, lots and lots of good journalism out there about FIFA. But if you want something succinct, quick to the point and funny, uh, look up last week tonight with John Oliver, look up his discussions that he's had multiple times about FIFA. He's talked about them a lot. Uh, he's done some really good condensing and streamlining of the, the important information, uh, for, for his audiences. Um, so I recommend, uh, taking a look at that. Take a look at that. Do not take a look at United Passions. Um, now the movie, here's, here's all I have to tell you about the movie for you to immediately know just what kind of a movie it is. The movie starts with guys writing a letter to the British Federation of Football asking for a partnership with their little one that they're going to be starting. They, they put a close-up on 1902, the date, 1902. Ten seconds later, on screen, 1904 pops up. So either this guy has been writing this fucking letter for two years, or, more likely, these people did not know what they were doing. And, I mean, it literally starts at that point. That's the, that is the starting point of this movie. I even rewound just to make sure that I was correct in assuming that they had fucked up like that. And they had, they had fucked up like that. Um, it now the man in question is Fisher Stevens. Um, many people know him these days as Oscar winner for, I believe he did The Cove, the documentary The Cove. He helped produce it. Um, he does a lot of stuff on animal rights, but very, like, look at how evil these humans are to these animals. These humans are terrible people. So for him to start in a movie about a group that has basically profited off of the sweat and blood of smaller countries and caused lots of death in the building of stadiums for their, for their fucking games. He can officially Fisher Stevens should only have one thing on his credit. And that is being a henchman in the super Mario bros movie. That should be the only thing people are allowed to remember him from that in this movie, because the fact that, I mean, the fact that, that, Sam Neill and Tim Roth are involved in this movie breaks my heart enough. Tim Roth has explained he had two kids that had just, that were about to go to college. He needed money. I, I get it. I get it. When you're Tim Roth and you're an amazing actor, but no one will cast you, you have to make ends meet. Um, Sam Neill, I'll get back to him because that's a whole other thing. But we start the movie in the 1900s with 
establishing one of the most important things that this movie wants to establish, and that is that the British are evil and racist, and that that's the only character trait about them. There will there the only character trait in a single British person in this movie has is that they are racist. They don't have any other character traits. They're just racist, and they like, and they think that black people aren't civilized or smart enough to be able to play the game. That's it. That's their, that's their entire quality. So immediately I just kept thinking of anyone I knew who was British and wanting to beat up the movie for them for, for such hateful hatefulness. And it's throughout the whole movie. It's not like it's an, Oh, it's these, you know, these guys in the 1900s when, um, you know, when the British were, kind of treating the world like a giant risk board. No, it's beginning to end how they behave in this movie. It is fucking disgusting. Um, and so you end up, and then there's a 20 year jump all of a sudden, 20 year jump after their first meeting where they decide they're going to be called FIFA. They have this little meeting where they decide they're going to be called FIFA. Suddenly, bam, it's 20 years later half of the characters that we were just establishing are gone. Gerard Depardieu is there, which red card, big fucking red card on that one. Um, that was, that just scares, that should scare anyone. And he's just some guy that we don't bother to establish him. We don't bother to explain his existence in this world because the movie also really does not care about the history of FIFA. We never really establish anything substantial until Sepp Blatter. Sepp Blatter is the only thing that we really want to focus on because, well, at the time this movie was being made, he was still the president. So we wanted to still give him some love. Um, but... You end up, the movie is constantly trying to prove that FIFA is is not corrupt. It is very much propaganda because they knew they were about to be caught for all this corruption stuff. Um, so people like Jack Warner and some of the other bastards that have like lifetime bans from being involved with FIFA because of their corruption, they don't exist in this movie. They don't show up, they're not discussed about, they just don't exist. Um... And it's also, it is a movie that cannot, that has, keeps reminding itself mid-scene, oh yeah, don't, we need to, we need to seem like we like women. Let's make sure we like women in this movie, guys. It's very important that people think we like women. So, and there are three, there are three women in this movie, um, one is Gerard Depardieu's daughter, which is very uncomfortable because Gerard Depardieu, regardless of whether or not he's a good actor, cannot hide it when he wants to fuck someone. And he wants to fuck this girl. It's very obvious. It's very uncomfortable because it's very clear that the he's not saying the character wants to, but he wants to. So you're stuck, kind of stuck with that, and that's that's rough. Um, the only thing 
weirder than that is he's French. The daughter should be French. The daughter is played by an actress who is French. And she's speaking in an English accent. I, I, I literally... I, I stared at her IMDb going, I, there needs, there's got to be something in here about like, uh, she, she popped out right at the border and they finished driving to another country. So she's never actually spent time in France. It's, that's got to be the excuse, but she's from France and she speaks with an English accent the whole movie, or at least the movie that she's in. Um, cause again, the movie time jumps. Like no, it, they've only got like an hour and a half, so they're they're pushing their way through everything as fast as they can, trying to cover like a hundred years of history, give or take. Um, after the first World Cup, they lose everything. According to Fisher Stevens, they they've lost everything because he made bad investments. Then we cut to twenty years later. They're doing good. They're doing so good. They got swanky new place that they're living at. Like again, they they skip over things like how did you get money again? Because you were just told you had no money. So um it's just you you feel like something so important has been missed. Because You've gone from, we have nothing, we can't even stay in a little shitty apartment, to, look at this big, gigantic marble room that we're in. And it's ours. No explanation necessary. Now, again, I'm looking at my notes, and it's like a bad flashback, remembering this movie. Because, again, these are evil bastards. Um, in real, in reality. In reality, FIFA are some evil bastards um, that don't really care about the sport. And you can tell that in the movie, because the movie really doesn't care about the sport itself. It's all about executives. Like, this is a, this is a sports movie that does not care about the sport. It's kind of... It, it would be the same as if... Um, you know, even... Even that concussion movie with Will Smith actually showed that some passion for football. Um, it's like if Field of Dreams was exclusively about him and the like, him just taking care of the field and just kept kept bragging about how great the field was, but didn't really care about baseball. Didn't really mention it. Be like. Um, you know, if Rudy focused on his academics and never once, and you only saw him on the field for like 10 minutes of the movie, but just casually playing, not with anything exciting happening to him, just casually playing. Um, so that, that boggles the mind. Um, but then you get to, uh, the infamous era of, um, World history, 1936. I I think that's what the year the movie said, but I don't trust the movie, to be frank. Um, where there was the World Cup and the Olympics being held under the watchful eyes of the, the growing Third Reich. And the movie does this whole 
Schindler's List style thing where Gerard Depardieu, where he feels bad for the Nazis. He, he feels bad that the Nazis were being picked on in a game. And it's one of those things where, like, a lot of people claim that Jojo Rabbit was a not had Nazi sympathizing on it, which it absolutely did not. This movie did. This movie felt really bad for Nazis. Like, really bad. Like, the the whole, like, I could have saved Morbit in Schindler's List, they had Jared Depardieu in this movie with very similar music just saying they're going... We weren't there. We should have been there. We should have been there. They're Nazis. Can we just... Universally, let's just all agree Nazis are bad and we don't care about Nazis. Like, Can we just get to that point? I digress. Um, now, another gigantic jump cut. But this one's interesting, because in this jump cut... Gerard Depardieu, they, like, a little bit of grain to the hair, maybe. Maybe a little bit of shadowing to the cheeks to make him look aged, saggy. Not much. Kind of like, um, not to be uber controversial here, but kind of like 12 Years a Slave, where it's 12 years of him being a slave, and he comes out the other end looking like it was, you know, kind of looking like he was Peter Jackson filming King Kong. Um, but he's it's like that, where there's barely any aging done, anything like that. But then his daughter's beside him. She is oh, Like, she is gray-haired and saggy, saggy. Like, they have aged her four times the amount that they've aged him. And... Again, it's you're just sitting there going, "What are we saying about about her in this movie that we're doing this to her? What are we saying? Like, what are we saying about about her when we're treating, we're essentially trying to make her look th- this way so excessively, while not making no effort with anyone else? There's literally there's a Italian guy." Doesn't age in 20 years. Literally, they don't do anything to age him. Her, they make her look like she's aged 40, 50 years. Jerry Depardieu, five years. Maybe. Italian guy, nothing. Didn't age a day. Didn't age a fucking day. But we get to the end of that, that whole era of Jared Depardieu. So we're done with that part. We're about a third of the way through the movie, maybe a little bit more. Because again, jump cuts, rushing through everything. We don't give a fuck. We don't give a fuck. We introduce Sam Neill. I love Sam Neill. In this movie, he plays a Brazilian. A Brazilian! And all my love for Sam Neill cannot help but make me want to jump through the screen and go, dude, you sitting on an airplane claiming to be Brazilian is 
you you have topped a raptor saying your name in Jurassic Park 3. You have topped it. You did it. Congratulations. Fuck off. I again, I rewound cuz it's just like he he did not just say he was from Brazil. He did, he did not just say he was from Brazil. He's from Brazil in the movie. But whatever. Apparently he's from Brazil. Whatever. Um and Basically, his whole spiel, the whole section of the movie that's just him before Seth Blatter shows, Tim Roth as Seth Blatter shows up, is basically just him saving FIFA from those darn racist Brits. That's it. That's that's his existence in the movie. That's why he's there. He is there so that way in the seventies he can save FIFA from the evil racist Brits, who are still kind of modeled after being from the 1800s, even in the 70s. Um, maybe that's historically accurate, but with this movie, I fucking doubt it. Really, really fucking doubt it. Um, and yeah, we get... It's just this... This whole... Yay the executives thing. Where Sip Bladder shows up, and it, the movie goes full steam ahead on... Who uh, of this attitude of FIFA clearly believing that nobody cares about football, they care about them. That they care about them. The, the executives of FIFA. Which, clearly not true. Clearly not true. I have watched people who don't pay attention to, to it at all drop everything for World Cup games to watch those. Um, and the same would not be said if ESPN three said, all right, we're going to have the big Germany, Brazil game. And then after that, um, the FIFA board is going to sit down to discuss next year's fiscal policies and sponsorship needs. Nobody is sitting, nobody is sitting in front of the TV to watch that. Not, I, I, not even the biggest FIFA diehard. Not even the biggest fan of football in the world is going to sit down and watch that fucking board meeting. Because it's a board meeting. Nobody participates in board meetings unless they have to because they're there. And they do it because they're getting paid to be there. It... Again, it's like weird flashbacks looking at, uh, looking at my notes. It's... I miss so many of the bad movies that we've watched on... I I miss Jupiter Ascending. Okay? You hear me? I, I miss... I miss Eddie Redmayne raspy grandma voice. Alright? I'm actually missing... I create life! I'm missing that. I am missing... Young Kyle McLaughlin going... The same. In Dune. I'm missing that. I'm always missing Sting in the codpiece from Dune. But that's a whole different thing. Um, I am, like... I don't know if I miss Frosty the Snowman eating hookers. I don't know if I miss that. I don't know if I could ever miss that. But I am missing a lot of the bad movies that we've watched before. Just re-looking at my notes from last night watching this movie. It was... 
I wanted my kid not to have a good night's sleep as an excuse to not finish this damn movie. I wanted to be able to go, sorry guys, I couldn't do the episode. Uh, my kid wouldn't sleep, so I didn't get to watch the movie. Ah, darn. But no, she actually decided to fucking sleep. Anyone's looking to adopt, just let me know. It's, she's awesome. Um, she actually is. This is, this is going to be the one episode that my, my wife and her entire family keep being like, oh, we're going to check out an episode. We didn't know you do a podcast. This will be the episode they check out. So to clarify, I love my daughter. I'm not actually trying to give her up for adoption because they, they, they're going to believe that that's what I want. Um, so I, here's, here's where we get to the claim that the movie makes through, through Sam Neill that to me just defines what this movie is and why it's terrible. Sam Neill's character, and I, I cannot remember the name of the, of the gentleman beyond smarmily act, smarmily suggesting that he is God point blank says that FIFA has done more for black people than any like Martin Luther King or, or just any like Rosa Parks, like anybody like you name it, like you name like anyone from any point in history. I'm surprised he didn't say Beyonce just to like try to see, or what's everyone loves right now, Nicki Minaj or Cardi B, whichever one everyone loves right now. I don't know. Um, but and it was literally, I, I couldn't help but sit there and go, Hmm, somebody who thinks they're God and is better for black people than black people. Oh dear God. How in the world did Trump never up in FIFA? But then I remembered the guy who ratted all of FIFA out had an apartment in Trump Tower for his cats. That's a real thing. Um, sorry, backing away from the political, because that's not what you guys are here. You're not here to listen to me ramble about politics. Um, movie is... The movie loves Adidas. Like, of the 19 million of the budget for this movie, 16 million of it came from FIFA itself. FIFA funded this movie, which is why you just can't believe a word that's coming out of any of their mouths um unless it's bad then it's worth believing um the other three i have to assume were adidas because adidas is all over this movie and the their adidas rep who works with them seems to know everything going on with fifa like you see like it's you're you're just he's that guy in the office who you never see in any of the meetings, but somehow knows everything that's going on. And you don't know why, because you could swear to God, you're not entirely positive. He works there. That is the Adidas guy in this movie. That is who he is. Um, but then later we do, uh, like a, we do a montage at one point in the movie. And we literally just do five seconds of, Set bladder standing over his coffin. And if I didn't, for some reason, have his name at the time stuck in my head, I wouldn't have even known it was him. I just would have been like, who died? But I knew it was the Adidas guy. So it's just like, okay, well, shit. Okay. Just get rid of him. Um, 
But yeah, they they legitimately do not know what about their history is interesting. Um, whereas with most of these kinds of movies, you get um, you get to experience the backstory of the people that you're following. You get to see their hardships, but you also get to watch the the adrenaline fueled moments of them getting out of those situations. Uh, none of that exists in this movie. It's basically just look at us succeeding at all of the, you know, look at us constantly succeeding. Here's a part where we struggled, but oh, let's cut to any amount of time we have to, even if it's 20 years. And look, we're all better now. You know, we're back to the good stuff. We're back to the positive stuff about us. Um, and I, this, this, this makes me for the sake of hopefully comedy mad. Um, this movie uses a talking head song. How fucking dare they? I wouldn't use a talking head song because I don't believe I deserve to use a talking head song. I listen to them and I apologize for ruining their greatness with my eardrums. And yet this fucking movie is going to put a talking head song in it. I don't think so. That, that was bullshit. That was so bullshit. Um, you can, and at, after the point of them using the talking head song, it's at that point that you can really see where set bladder had a lot of control over this movie without doing anything. Cause Tim Roth literally does not age throughout the course of the movie. He is the same. He looks the same. The first time we see him in late seventies, early eighties, I think it is to the end of the movie, which is 2004, I think I can't remember, but we, we, we witness him go through 20 to 40 years at FIFA and he does not age a single day during the entire thing. Um, but he is such a, he is a champion for the rights of all. Um, which again, anyone who's paid attention to FIFA in the last five, 10 years knows that he doesn't champion any single fucking person on this planet. Seriously, like research these guys. They are some of the biggest shit bags on the planet. Um, Oh yeah. <laughs> the one part of the movie that did make me laugh. Wasn't supposed to, but it made me laugh. Uh we have one Christmas or New Year's. Christmas was Christmas. With um with Set Blatter's family in a winter lodge in the Swiss Alps. Cause humility. Uh and they decide to have a dance party. No one in the family can dance. It is more awkward than the kids dancing in the Peanuts Christmas Carol. Um, the the one girl who's like hopping from leg to leg with her shoulders up and her hands out looking from side to side. That girl dances better than everyone in this fucking family combined. And I could not stop laughing. It was my favorite part of the movie. Hands down. Hands down my favorite part of the movie. I try not to make my favorite part of the movie the credits because it's cheap. Um, but that's that was my favorite part of the movie. Um, they, 
when when Seth Blatter first shows up in the movie, he doesn't give two shits that he's going to go work for a football league. He does not care. And they never they never at any point really make it seem like he ever starts to care about it, which I found very entertaining. They couldn't bother to figure out a way to go, look, you know, he, he didn't like it at first, but look at his love for the sport now. Like, oh, he's learned to embrace it. And look, oh, he's playing the game. No, he couldn't care less. Could not, he clearly never cares about the sport. Um, and then, so literally... Stuff happens, yet nothing happens. For the movie, for the whole for the whole rest of the movie, um, there's the whole drama of uh, Gelman releases a book, which now I want to read, uh, exposing a bunch of corruption in um, in FIFA. Exposes all sorts of corruption and terrible things going on, but we won't say from whom. No, 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 no. How it's. How are we going to paint him as a liar if we actually give credence by defending any of the claims and not just ignoring them? Um, so we go through this weird part of, like, oh, they, they, you know, everyone wants to vote Sepp Blatter out. Two minutes later, he gets reelected by a shit ton of votes. No, no logical reason why. And again, we've completely skipped over what could have been the fun process of watching Seth Blatter try to make sure that he's going to get those votes. But again, we didn't really try. So, you know. Um, then the movie ba- brings back Fisher Stevens. Which, why? Um, so he, could, he can say the final piece. And it's one of those, like, oh, if you had told us then what would happen in the future, we, wow. And and it's all sorts, you know, it's the simple little silly obvious things that they would say of, like, that we would become the biggest federation, that we would have, you know, sporting events that span the globe. And you're listening to all these going, okay, whatever. And then, and then all of a sudden you get... And if you had told us that women one day would take an interest and understanding of the sport and want to participate, it's just like, whoa! I I know your thoughts on women, but wow. That, that was... It was surprisingly on the nose for the movie. Um, And then for one big last claim to kind of drive that earlier one that Sam Neill did home. The movie essentially takes, tries to give FIFA credit for ending apartheid in South Africa, which if you believe that stop listening, I do not like you. I just don't football undoubtedly has a, has a massive major impact on people all over the world but to suggest that a government agency would end doing something so horrific because they wanted to play with everyone else when their whole thing was exclusion is fucking stupid um and debatably racist for them to make that claim in the first place but that's how they end the movie that's how they end it that's how the movie ends and it's just i mean i this movie in the u.s when it opened it made 
just over $600. That's it. That's all it made. That's, that's, that's all it made. And I'm not talking opening week. I'm talking total. That's all it made in its entire run because it probably was open for one week and then, and then the studio said, you know what, go ahead and pull it. We're not going to make any money from it. And we know you're not going to keep it after the second week because you won't make any money from it. So it was probably out for one week, made that 600 some dollars. Nobody's really watched it since. Nobody should. This is one of those situations. I'm not going to tell you guys that you should watch this movie. I'm not going to tell you you should watch it just for the sake of saying you've watched it. I'm not going to tell you to watch it with your friends so you have something to laugh at. I'm not going to tell you to watch it with your friends so you have a drinking game. Just do not watch this movie. It's bad. It is very bad. It is bland as all get out. It does not care about any sort of cohesive interesting story it is self-serving propaganda from one of the worst groups of people on the planet earth and i mean that from the bottom of my middle finger from the bottom of my middle finger these are the worst people that exist today hands down um I don't really, I don't have too much more to say on the movie. Um, it kind of made, you know, it kind of made me angry. Um, I had, uh, I had to watch other stuff that made me laugh before I could go to bed. And I still woke up angry this morning and I know it was because of that movie. Um, it just, so I'm going to, I'm going to move past it. Talk a little bit about some of the stuff I've been watching since, um, been watching a lot of movies, honestly, that have disappointed me. Um, I watched Little Monsters, the, not that one again. Uh, the Hulu film with, uh, Lupita Nyong'o and Josh Gad. Great concept that just feels like it never kicks off the ground, uh, honestly. So I was kind of disappointed by that one. Anna and the Apocalypse... That one, I'm not going to lie, that one really disappointed me. Um, I was I was expecting something, because it was British, I was expecting something so unabashedly comedic in terms of doing, you know, like, a lots of juxtaposition. But the music was very repetitive. The best song is the, uh, the cocky ex-boyfriend's um, re-intro song with his buddies about how good he is at killing zombies. It's the best, it's, it's honestly, it's the best song in the whole thing. Um, and it's, I mean, it has a lot of brave points of some of the stuff that it does. Um, some of the, the ways and how quickly certain things happen. Um, but it almost feels like that happens to make up for lost time because they spend an excessive amount of time pre-zombie apocalypse. Like, it should have been a so one song establishing the zombie apocalypse and then, bam. Or one song establishing the characters, I'm sorry, and then, bam, zombie apocalypse, we're in it. Let's... The, you're here for a zombie apocalypse. There should not be two, might have even been three songs before we get to that. Um, 
And again, with all the songs just being depressingly repetitive and and I I I like when British comedies go the, the dark route with the third act where it gets where it stops being all that funny. I I do like that, but um I didn't I'm fine with the amount of it that I got, but I didn't need I didn't need it to drag so much of it out to the point where I was calling things ahead of time. So, but, um, I did watch Booksmart and goddamn if that's not my favorite movie of the year. Um, that it's easily my, my favorite movie of the year. Billy Lord in that film. Oh my Lord. I, I want her just randomly showing up in every single movie just to fuck with all the other characters. I I need that. I I need that so badly because she is phenomenal. Um I saw Jojo Rabbit which photo finish for second place for favorite films of the year. Absolutely fantastic film. Um I'm going to say Thomas and McKenney, but I'm probably wrong again. I'm shit with names, guys. It, Unless this is your first episode, I hope to God you've noticed that about me by this point, is that I suck at names. Um, But this... She gives such a fucking amazing performance. I really want her... um, I really want her as the Jean Grey of the MCU X-Men. That's what I'd love to see. I'd love to see her as... The MCU X-Men Jean Grey. Um, Partially just... In part just because... I feel like it'll be a way to guarantee... That this talented actress is getting work. Because it'll put her into the spotlight... Blatantly. Um, And I think she 100% has the chops... To play that role from... Shy, meek, new girl... To... Killer of Man Phoenix. I think she has that range to do that, uh, regardless of where they decide to go with the X Men in the MCU. Um, so I, I would, I, I would absolutely love to see that from her. Um, I, th- I mean, everyone in that movie does a fantastic job, and I, I mean, I loved Sam Rockwell. I know he's the major finger pointer for a lot of people with. Um, with the with the whole Nazi, you know, we're sympathizing with Nazis thing, but he is he he plays in just the same as Jojo uh, in regards to people that may be on the team but aren't necessarily players. Um and I don't want to get into it too much because I don't want to spoil it for people who haven't seen the film. But I I viewed him as like an adult JoJo, and and that that was that was some of the logic for for some of some of his uh, behavior. Um. So that's I mean that that's where I where I can go with that again. I don't want to spoil too much. Um, it just it was just it was a solid film. Um. Still haven't seen Joker. Don't know if I will. 
may I'll probably rent it when it comes out on video. Um, I just I was never that excited in the first place. It just seemed like an R-rated Maleficent featuring a DC character, and I haven't heard a ton to to suggest that that's not what it is. So. Yeah, I, I, I still haven't seen it yet, to be completely honest. Now, um, I don't have too much more. It's going to be, you know, because there's not as much me and, and Alex bantering off each other, it's going to be a little bit shorter than normal. Um, just, just a touch, because I, I can still rant with the best of them. I can still ramble on. I'm an excellent rambler. Um doing it right now, as we can all notice, um, but I, I, I do want to say before hanging out, um, you know, I really, really want to thank every, everyone in the, in the film Twitter universe that, that I've been, that I've become really good friends with, uh, you guys are my social life, for lack of a non-sad way to put it, to a certain extent, um, and in a way, I view I do view you guys as sort of family. So it, it means a lot to me having you guys there. Um, I've talked bluntly uh, in a lot of ways about a lot of things, um, and the the amount of support that I've gotten from you guys it's really it's really meant a lot to me. It's really meant uh, the world to to find a community that that I truly feel like has my back, um, that, that my brain can't go, well, you knocked her up to, to rationalize it, so, so I, I really want to thank you guys for it, um, again, I don't know how long it's going to be me manning the shit by myself, hopefully not too long, um, but until, um, until Alex gets back, you know, I don't want to always make you guys have to sit here and listen to me ramble um, about movies, whether I like them or not. Um, it's it's exhausting, according to my wife. So, <laughs> um, so you know, any any of you that I talk to, I you know, I would love to have you. You know, whether it's for us to bond over a movie that we both love or hate, or for us to argue. Well, not argue, debate, civilized, about a film that we feel differently about. Um, I've debated doing an episode either specifically about Last Jedi or about um, the the new films in general or Star Wars films as a whole. Uh, I've thought about doing that. Um, and for the sake of everyone's eardrums, it'd probably be best if that's not done just by myself. Um not a fan of Last Jedi, just not, sorry, I just, I didn't like it, um, but, you know, if you, if you want to, you know, if anyone wants to, to join me on here, I'd be honored to have you, um, again, I've had a couple of you already reach out to me, which, uh, has been super flattering that you, that you guys have reached out to me regarding, uh, being on the show, and I look forward to, to doing episodes, with, with those of you who I do get to, to join in on this with, um, I, I, I'm looking forward to bringing some fun content, I want to try to come up with some new creative things, um, 
so we'll see what happens, you know, hopefully, hopefully I can bring some stuff that you guys want to listen to, that you guys enjoy listening to, as I, as I continue to, to hold down the fort while we wait for Alex to, uh, to get that break, to, to get some, some much needed time off and have enough of it be used on resting and spending time with his family to be able to, to join me for, for randomized chaos yet again. Um, although he, he dodged a bullet this week, but you know, we'll leave it at that. Um, so yeah, if you guys have any thoughts, um, about anything, anything at all, if you guys have thoughts, uh, about the, the movie I talked about, uh, if you guys have thoughts about the trailers, if you guys have thoughts, ideas, comments, queries, insults, anecdotes, um, good Three Stooges or Marx Brothers references, whatever, uh, make sure to, uh, make sure to shout out to us at, uh, at Movies Work on Twitter, uh, we have our email address, moviesafterwork at gmail.com, um, one of these days if I can get a computer that can work well, I'd like to get the Facebook up and working again. It just, it's not easy to, to keep a Facebook page running on, on your cell phone. It just isn't. Um, it's not user friendly in that way. Um, and then also I haven't really talked about this in the past, but, um, I have a Letterboxd account. It's not pro. Uh, I'm a, I'm a broke bastard. So sadly it is not one of the pro ones, but if you look me up on there, Thomas Green, um, I, I, on 2013, I've been going year by year, scrolling through every single movie in each year, uh, to make sure that every single film I've ever seen or that I want to see is on my watched or watch list. Um, and, uh, hopefully once I'm done and I know for a fact I've covered all of it, um, on there, I'll have my top 100 films, my favorite 100 films of all time, which uh, hopefully I'll share on the Twitter for, for those of you who don't use Letterboxd or um, just don't want to be associated with me on there. I understand. I do. I'm embarrassing. Um, so yeah, uh, follow us, talk to us, um, critique us, give us suggestions, and if you want to do the show and if you have a movie... You know, if you have a movie that you've been dying to do, but for one reason or another you haven't gotten or you don't get to do it on your show, then come on, you know, come on over. We'll do it. If you're, you know, M from Verbal Diorama, one of the, just one of the best people, uh, you know, she, she came on the show and she got to do a bunch of swearing, which, you know, she still talks to me about how much fun she had coming out, coming on the show and just cursing, you know? If you're a show that's G-rated and you want to come on and be able to say things like fucking shit, hey, we'll fucking have your shit ass over. You know, come right on down. Uh, we, you know, we, as, as much as I harp on bad movies, as much as I do, um, not to delve into all the bullshit Scorsese MCU drama that's that's been going on lately, but I, to me, cinema cinema is every film. It does not matter whether it, whether it is good or bad. We need all cinema to survive. Um, as, as an industry and as, as artists, whether it's creating our own content or, or becoming friends over it, 
everything is cin- there. There isn't a single movie in the world that you can name to me that I will not say is cinema, because without every single one of the films that exists in the world, we something. It's it's a Jenga tower. It's taking something out that can topple the works. You know, it's a piece of, you know, it's a piece of a puzzle where the final picture is a movie you love. You take out that piece, something is missing. So, love it or hate it, you know, want the Snyder Cut, don't give a fuck. Love MCU, hate MCU, whatever, whatever your thing is, whatever's, you know, whatever's your bag. It's all cinema. Everything is cinema. And, um, you know, we can, we can hold hands and jump into all of it together or we can try to drown each other. So I say let's hold hands. So on behalf of Alex, this is Thomas Green. This was Movies After Work. See you guys next week. Have a good day at work. Bye.